If you will, turn in your Bibles to 2 Corinthians chapter 8. 2 Corinthians chapter 8. And then if you want to early, go to John chapter 10. We'll be first over in 2 Corinthians 8 and then back in John 10. These are special days. I think as we see the end approach, the gospel and the message of the gospel and the good news is more important every day. How many of you know this book is the only salvation for this world? Today we will travel maybe a different path. But I ask you to listen on purpose. And I ask you to stay with a story. I want to read something and I hope we catch the impact of it. Will you go with me to 2 Corinthians chapter 8, verse 9. Paul speaks to this church, and he says these words, For you, Corinthians, you know the, what is the word? You know the what? The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ. You know the, say it with me, grace of the Lord Jesus Christ. That though he was what? Rich. Yet for your sakes, he became what? Poor. That you, through his poverty, might become what? Rich. There's a whole lot of meaning in that little verse. Turn back with me, if you will, to John chapter 10. I'm going to be reading at verse 17. But just a few, three verses before this, he says, I am the good shepherd, I know my sheep. And he goes and says, I laid down my life for the sheep. Verse 17 is where I want to pick it up. Therefore, my father loves me because I laid down my life that I may take it again. Don't miss that. Watch verse 18, for no one takes it from me, but I lay it down of myself. I have power to lay it down, and here's the Easter message, and I have power to take it again. I thought you'd be more excited about that. <laughs> the command I have received is from my Father. I want you to listen to, in a sense of the human reasoning, the audacity of a man who stands in human form and says, I have power to lay it down, and I also have power to take it up. Wow. So go just a few pages to the right, chapter 18, and I want us to see it. Chapter 18, verse 3. Then Judas, having received a detachment of troops from Rome and officers from the chief priests and the Pharisees, came there with lanterns, torches, and what? Weapons. Jesus, therefore, watch this word, knowing. He is God. He is prophetic. This Christ knows everything that he will encounter to save you and me. Jesus, therefore, knowing all things that would come upon him, went what? Forward. I want you to listen to me. I was preaching last week. 
God does not sponsor a backward movement. God is always a progressive God. Knowing all things that would come upon him, went forward and said to them, Whom are you seeking? They answered him, Jesus of Nazareth. And Jesus said to them, what? I am he. And Judas, who betrayed him, also stood with them. Watch verse 6. And when he said to them, I am he, they drew back and fell to the ground. I don't want you to miss the awesome, omnipotent, sovereign power of an eternal God. Amen? He didn't just say it. He literally performed it. And that's what we celebrate. Today in Christendom, we begin a special week. We know it as Holy Week. Through the Gospels, Holy Week is, is packed with action. You'll see the triumphal entry where they called him Lord and Hosanna and laid the palm branches down as king of the Jews. They thought he would rid them from under the iron heel of the Roman Empire. There would be a betrayal, an arrest, a trial. Then there would be a brutal scourging. They would take him and crucify him. He would be buried. And thank God he would be resurrected. And after 40 days, he would ascend. I just want to say what, what a grand story is the Easter story. What glorious truths are here and what tremendous hope. Ladies and gentlemen, we have hope because he not only said it, he accomplished it. The thoughts constantly surface as I contemplate this story these thoughts, two thoughts that surface all the time, and yet they contain a tremendous truth, and that is this. As you live this week, and I hope you'll follow through the Scripture all these events through the Holy Week, and especially Good Friday and, of course, Sunday, the Resurrection. But these thoughts focus on a tremendous truth, and it is this, the unfathomable love of God for fallen humanity. I marvel time and again. The first thing is at this scene of Gethsemane. When Judas brought soldiers and priests and Pharisees. Think with me just a minute about the verbal, nonverbal, I mean nonverbal communication that happened at that scene. Think with me about the atmosphere that suddenly came in that garden. What powerful truth is displayed at that scene. I want you to know something. Approximately 600 plus soldiers, a Roman detachment, Soldiers with armor, soldiers who are trained, these men are trained to kill, and they have weapons. And the Pharisees and the priests and Judas bring 
hundred plus soldiers to arrest one man. And when Christ declared, I am he, can I say when he declared who he is, he was not only just answering their question, are you the Christ? And he said, I am. He was declaring his name and he was declaring his omnipotence and his omnipresence and his omniscience. He's declaring himself to be the eternal God of all creation. And when he said, I am, the scripture says 600 plus people fell to the ground like helpless babies. We read through scripture and our world doesn't understand. Let me tell you, there is always dunamis, dynamic power around our God. It was a great message to them. It was a great message to the disciples. And I declare to you in 2021, it is a great message to us today. Here's the message to the soldiers on that occurrence, he is saying, I have power to destroy you if I choose to do so. To the disciples, he was saying, I could escape if I wanted to. And he says to us, knowing the history and the power of the resurrection and having ascended at the right hand of the Father today, he is saying two things. First of all, it's this. He says, I lay down my life for you. I lay down my life for you. Beat his back with a cat of nine tails 39 times. The old law was 40, and so they made it 10 because they couldn't disobey the law. Read the history in, over in Deuteronomy. Beat his back with a cat of nine tails 39 times, and he will say, I lay it down for you. Crown his head with cruel thorns till his brow was covered in blood running down his beard, and he will say, I lay it down for you. Pluck his beard till it bled and swelled to where he wasn't recognizable, Isaiah 53 said, and he will say, I lay it down for you. Feed him vinegar while he's athirst to try to mock this God-man, and he will say, I lay it down for you. Drive steel spikes in his hands and his feet. And trying to maintain a consciousness, he will say, I lay it down for you. Drop that cross in a hole because the thud when it hits the bottom will tear the flesh of the God-man and he will say, I lay it down for you. Pierce his side. Bring forth water and blood, which means he had died. He did not swoon. The body and the water separated death. Pierce his side. Rupture his breast and his heart. And he will say, I lay it down for you. That's what that scene at Gethsemane said to us. Secondly, it says this. To this modern world. 
with all of its knowledge and its prosperity, with all of its technological advances, with all its arrogance to say, do away with this idea of God, do away with deity, do away with morals, do away with any restrictions. We want no restraints. We want no commandments. We want to be gods unto ourselves. Take all that arrogance and place it back to that scene where Christ made that statement. And he is saying to us today, go back 2,000 plus years, and he says, all power is given in heaven and in earth to me. And just as you see these 600 soldiers lay down and fall down in weakness today, he says to the church today, on my promise to return, on my promise to speak forth and destroy this enemy, on my promise to judge the enemy of evil in this world, on my promise to set up my kingdom, on my promise to prepare you a place that I will take you with me, he says, on my promise you can depend you know I had a picture in my mind today when I preach this you just great praise the Lord it's okay we catch the weightiness of it I am he in 600 souls what did it say to them then and what does it say to us today? Especially when God said of his own son, he's the same yesterday, today, and forever. Ladies and gentlemen, Good Friday's message is this. I lay it down myself. And the Easter message is this. If I lay it down, I have the power to take it again. Just catch the... So our sovereign Savior declares to soldiers, to Rome, the ruling powers, the, the Sanhedrin, the Pharisees, the ruling class, to the powers of the world, to the disciples then and to we who are disciples today, and to an unbelieving society, he says, I lay it down for you. And secondly, on my promise, you can depend on that future. And for this holy week, this 2021 year, I want to look to and listen back over to the inspiring words of Paul the Apostle to the church at Corinth. I began that first verse. I want to remind you, and then we're going to take a journey. He said, through the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, speaking of Christ, though he was rich, he became poor. For your sakes, he became poor. Though he was rich, for your sakes, he became poor. There is a place somewhere out in the universe Perhaps an astronomer has unknowingly viewed it from its outskirts. There is a place where he who was rich enjoyed his riches. 
It is the headquarters of the universe, the headquarters of creation. It is the homestead of the Godhead. If we were to go there during the time that Jesus was there when he was rich, you could ask the residents, what is sin? And they could not tell you, for there was none. You could ask the residents, what is sorrow? And they could not answer you, for there was none. What is pain? What is grief? And they could not tell you, because there was none. Every sound there was a sweet melody. Every scene was a beautiful delight. The city had no slum or ghetto. The land was fairer than day. It was a day of unclouded day. It was heaven, and he was rich there. No frost chilled the air. No storm marred its calmness. Emeralds and sapphires and diamonds and topaz glistened from the light of the rainbow. And he was rich there. He walked on streets of transparent gold and through gates of solid pearl. He listened to 10,000 times 10,000 angelic beings sing a fountain flowed in the middle of it, a sparkling water. That fountain flowed and made a river of life. And the trees on its banks gave its fruit every month, 12 months a year. And he was rich there. No profanity ever pierced the air. No headache ever pained the brow. No tear ever stained a cheek. No siren ever stunned the silence. No rose ever shared the stem with a thorn. No chill ever withered a blossom. Human eyes have not seen Human ears have not heard. The heart of man has not fathomed all the riches of the mighty Son of God in the heavenly kingdom. Millions of lilies marked his path. Torches flared and glistened on the golden streets. Trumpets announced his every arrival. Spirit beings bowed before him. The stars sang his praises. He was rich. He was rich there. He was rich there. But wait. That's not the good news. Here's the good news. He became poor. He became poor. One day, a great 
groan was heard in heaven. Far away, on one of the planets, winds begin to howl. Serpents begin to hiss. Sin had made a mark in the universe. And a humanity on that planet had fallen. And for 4,000 years, the groaning of that fallen humanity pierced the ears of holiness and purity and royalty. Then royalty approached the Father. I will lay aside this splendor. All the beautiful tapestry, all the glory of this heavenly city. I will lay aside the royal diadem. I will lay aside this diamond scepter. For someone I love is in trouble. And listen to me. And he fled to a virgin's womb. Yet there was no welcome for him now because he's now poor. Don't kid yourself. If he, re if he came the first time like he's coming the second time, every Jewish believer in all of history, if he rides on a white steed with a vesture dipped in blood and a sword where he's coming to rule with a rod of iron and glistening soldiers behind him and all the power of the kingdom behind him, they would say, this is our Messiah. But he became poor. And he arrived as human and God in a virgin's womb. The only door that opened for him was a crude stable in the side of a hill. He who was rich was born in another's stable. He who was rich ate at another's table. He who was rich slept on another's pillow. He rode on another's beast. He sailed on another's boat. And because he was poor, his own he came to, and his own rejected him and received him not. He who was rich was buried in another's tomb. And the gospel message is the good news today. He who was rich became poor so that we who were poor could become rich.
Pastor, how much was he worth? Everything to my soul. What was he worth? Everything for eternity. I don't know if any of you have ever been in the first grade like I was and came Valentine's Day and I looked a couple rows over and I saw the prettiest little six-year-old girl I had ever seen in my whole life. And I found out we were going to exchange Valentine's. And of all the people in the world, I hoped and hoped and prayed. I was just all giddy that she would get me a Valentine because I was in love. You may laugh at that, but I'm going to tell you something. I didn't receive a valentine, and it broke my heart. Anybody here ever had a broken heart? Anybody ever here who ever loved and loved and loved and loved and loved deeply and deeply and deeply and loved so much you would give your life for it? And then out of arrogance or I'll be my own God or I'll go my own way and I'll live like I want to live and I'll do what I want to do. Reject the Son of God who loves you more than life itself, who had the power to lay it down and had the power to pick it up. And we tell him, no thanks. Not interested. I'll live like I want to live. I want to tell you something. It's not because God is evil. It's not because... God desires judgment, but because of injustice, God must judge evil. And I want to tell you something. God's going to judge evil. But not before he gave it all and says, I love it all. Stepped off the balcony of that place where he was rich. He who spoke creation into existence never owned a piece of real estate he who stood in nothing and spoke into nothing and everything that is came into being he declared he had no place to lay his head and the looming question is why why would he come I want to tell you today, ladies and gentlemen, humanity without God never progresses, it digresses. Oh, but pastor, you have this. I love this scene. Some of you have heard me say it. The scripture says that the earth is God's footstool. And it's, and it's talking about his tremendous, magnanimous power compared to, in a sense, the smallness of a planet in all the universe. And I like to, just let me use my imagination, I like to see God as this omnipotent, sovereign God with his feet, if you will, on his footstool. That's what he calls it. The earth is his footstool. And I think he sees us take 4,000 years and we finally discover an atom or cellular structure. We finally discover electricity. And I see a sovereign, loving, all-wise God go, wow, it only took them 4,000 years to find that. And the audacity of human knowledge, though it's vast, to think we know more and to think we know better 
and to think that we can run our lives greater than he. I've said it before, it's on the sign this morning. God's never, Satan's never one time ever produced a winner. You may go along for weeks and months and even years, but eventually life without God does not turn out right. Why did he come? Why did he come? I'll tell you why he came. Ask any parent with a broken heart for a child. I don't think there's a greater pain, pain in earth. Some physical pain is powerful, but I want to tell you we can endure it. At least we can take medication for it and try to numb it down some. But I want to tell you, I know of no numbing for the pain in a parent when they're broken over a child. And Paul spoke it. Here it is. The title of the message is Easter Grace. Paul said, for you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ and for a 33-year journey of grace. It shined brightly at Calvary, but it had its full measure on Easter Sunday morning. Easter grace. Take this week and watch it. How they degrade him. How they reject him. How they spew their poison. How they gloat their power and their ability. How the Sanhedrin handled the competition. In Gethsemane, he said these words. If it be possible, let this cup pass from me. Is he dreading suffering? No, the scripture tells us he gloried in it for you. Is he dreading death? Same scripture says he glorified in his death. Is he dreading crucifixion? Absolutely not. He said, I'll lay down the die again to go die. He purposed it. His dread wasn't suffering nor death from the crucifixion. His dread was becoming sin. What do you mean, Pastor? Here's what I mean. Lips that had never spoken an unkind word became tainted with our words. Eyes that had never seen any unclean thing became vile with the evil of our thoughts and vision. The feet that had walked, never walked in an uncertain path, now took upon our path. Ears that had never heard an uncertain sinful sound heard the words of our sinful sounds. And God put every sin of fallen humanity upon his son. That was the cup he had to drink, your sins and mine. Easter grace. He who was mighty became helpless. He who was great became common.
He who was perfect took on imperfection. He who was right had to bear wrong. He who was innocent took on my guilt. He who was God became human. He who was sinless took upon his body our sin. Pastor, why? So I want to speak to generation 2021. Why did he come? Because of Easter grace. What are you saying, Pastor? Why did he come? Why did he show his grace at Easter? Here it is. So that I can this morning stand here and know that my two granddads and my two grandmothers and my dad and my uncles and my aunts and my cousins and my friends that are gone before are presently enjoying all the things I described just a few minutes ago. And you cannot believe in hope better than that. Why? So fallen humanity can go to the fountain that's filled with blood drawn from Emmanuel's veins. And Easter grace says there they can plunge beneath that flood and lose all their guilty stains. How many of you have been there? How many of you have been there? How many of you have been there? So I want to speak to our world. The events I have described in this message this morning are absolutely true. They're not embellished. They're not made up by a soft-hearted pastor. But here's the best part of it. All the ramifications from what I have said to you this morning can determine and will determine your future and your eternal destiny. But here's the good part. God's a gentleman. The Holy Spirit's a gentleman. Christ has a gentle nature. It's your choice. Here's why. If you don't choose it, it's not really love. I love my wife. And up until a few minutes ago, I think she loved me. (laughs) But if you don't show that affection, and you don't make that on your own choice, you don't have love, you just have an agreement. It can be mechanical. It can all be based on just flesh. But here's what love does. Love sacrifices itself. That's what he did. Love says, I live for you. Love says, it's my calling to see that your life is full. And it gives and it cares and it loves and it gives and it cares and it gives and it cares and it gives and it cares. And And when it can't give anymore and it can't care anymore, it still longs to give and care. And that's where Christ is today caring for us in the sanctuary online.
It's your choice. If you have a wounded heart, if I'm speaking to some troubled teens, if I'm talking to some struggling parents, if I'm speaking into a family problem, if I'm speaking into bitterness, I speak to you, Easter grace, from the time he was arrested to the time he resurrected, he was reaching his grace out to you and me. And that's the story of Easter. So what are you going to do with it?